All right, well, greetings, Riverside. Uh, whenever and, and wherever you're getting a chance to watch this, uh, I'm just so grateful that you uh, would will get online, uh, watch the sermon. We've been walking through this uh, book of 1 Corinthians in the series that we're calling Love Never Ends, and love never ends, but the series does end, and it's going to end with this sermon uh, that I'm about to preach to you here out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Um, I'm recording this uh, today uh, to an empty room, and uh, which creates an interesting preaching environment, but um, in light of uh, the, uh, the adjustments that we're all making to our schedules uh, around the coronavirus and, uh, and the request from the governor uh, not to meet in large group gatherings, uh, we've decided to not have regular services. And so this is just a way for us to, to continue to connect, uh, to continue to engage with the book of 1 Corinthians together as a church. Um, and uh, you should have received some emails and some different things. Just encourage you how to love one another well during this time period. And uh, just really, uh, man, I just see it as an incredible opportunity for us to be the church in a, in a unique way. Um, I don't know how your week <laughs> is going. And, and certainly there's some very serious things uh, that are going on in our country right now. Um, uh, and, and so it, it just brings everything into perspective. You know, I... Uh, we came and uh, we had a, a meeting with the elders to decide what we were going to do this week. And we had made plans about how to limit, uh, do some different things with the cafe, limit the amount of touching, all, the, all this kind of stuff. And then an hour after that meeting and we locked in our plans, uh, we got word that all the schools were shutting down and all the, the buildings were shutting down. And so we, we had to adjust and, and change. And um, then on Friday, um, since I had a little extra time at home, uh, I noticed a, a squirrel messing around with my car, and uh, and I had had a big squirrel nest issue in the past in my car. And sure enough, even though I just got it inspected two weeks ago, I popped the hood, and a squirrel had built this nest like down under the engine compartment, uh, along with three baby squirrels in there. Uh, so I was battling squirrels all day on Friday, uh, and then this morning, uh, uh, which is Saturday, when I'm when I'm speaking this, uh, my son took my throat, my phone, and he threw it on the ground. And I was like, "Oh, wind! Don't do that! You're gonna break it!" And he went over and picked it up, and he held it. And I was like, "Please don't!" And he went and smashed the screen. And um, yeah, any number of things that, in, in normal circumstances, I think would really have, man, been so upsetting and frustrating to me. But um, but one of the things that comes with this sort of uh, when, there, when there's a, a crisis situation, when, there, when there's something really significant going on, what it does is it throws everything else into perspective. And, um, and so my hope is that we can really reset our perspective uh, together uh, with God's word this morning. You know, a broken phone, dealing with some squirrels. In the grand scheme of things, man, I'm glad I have a phone. I'm glad I have a car. I'm glad uh, that, that my loved ones are, are healthy. And, um, and, and I hope that the same is, is true for you. And uh, we pray for all those that are uh, they're really dealing with uh, uh, with this sickness, and um, man, just praying for recovery and and health, and uh, and just for for God's protection. Um, and so, with those uh, thoughts in mind, I wanna I wanna begin to dig into First Corinthians chapter sixteen, uh, and let's just begin with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Uh, thanks for this chance to get together uh, virtually. Uh, God, you've uh, uh, you've enabled us to use technology in powerful ways, and um, so that so that even when we're apart, that we can still be united together in your word. And I pray that your word would speak powerfully to our hearts uh, today. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
I want to jump into uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16. If you have your Bible or you have your phone or you have your laptop with you, um, you can go to 1 Corinthians 16. It's the final chapter in this, in this, what's been a pretty lengthy letter that has dealt with some really heavy and serious topics. And Paul's writing his final words. It's, uh, it's like, hey, above all, I want you to remember this. Uh, some final words of wisdom that he gives. And uh, we're going to go through the whole chapter, but I really want to zoom in in the beginning, just right on verses uh, 13 and 14. Uh, it really encapsulates everything that I think chapter 16 is trying to say. And, and so what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Uh, it's just this, this incredible commendation that I think speaks so well to us right now in this moment that we're in as well, right? Be watchful, uh, be on your guard, be alert. Uh, there's there's this warning throughout the Bible that hey don't don't think that you that tomorrow's promised to you you've got to be ready. Um, it brings to mind uh, when when Jesus was was praying with the disciples after the Last Supper in the garden and he said pray lest you fall asleep remain watchful with me right and 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 they all fell asleep multiple times until finally the soldiers came and 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 really Paul is saying to to the Corinthian church and to us uh, don't be found asleep when the, when when the when the master has need of you, when, when, when you should be awake and you should be alert and you should be watchful, don't, don't be sleeping. He says, stand firm in the faith, uh, uh, particularly the faith being the, the clarity of the gospel, which they know to be true. He says, stand firm in what you know is true, this gospel that I delivered to you. Don't let anyone uh, take you to the right or the left. Don't anyone move you off your foundation that, that you need to stand firm in the truth of the gospel, because that's what's going to allow you to make it through, uh, through everything that will lie ahead. He says, uh, in the ESV, it translated as act like men. Uh, other versions would say be courageous or be brave. This is a, it's a word, uh, it's a Greek word that's only used once in the New Testament, and so it's a little bit tricky uh, to interpret, but it was also used in the, uh, the Greek version of the Old Testament that would have been around in Jesus' time, and so the same word in that would be, uh, be translated in passages like uh, in, in Joshua 1, where it says, be strong and courageous. It's this idea of, 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 of uh, manning up, right? Like if we say to one another, man up, <laughs> you know what that means, uh, Disney is remaking the movie Mulan uh, that, that was out as an animated film, and they're now making it into a live-action uh, movie. And there's this whole scene where uh, she's a, a young girl that um, in China who needs to uh, defend the honor of her, her village and her family. Uh, and so she disguises herself as a young man, and she joins the army. And there's this whole basic training scene where they're singing this song about, Be a man! And... Uh, and uh, so we understand the idea of this. Now, Paul is not telling women, be like men, or that, that the women need to. In fact, uh, wh what he's saying is uh, that, that you all need to, to, to step up, to be brave. Uh, all, the, all the qualities of masculinity that we value, uh, stripping away the, the negatives, right? But, but, the, but the great qualities that we think of in masculinity, of, of taking leadership, of, of being firm, of being solid, of being courageous, of being strong, uh, he says, uh, essentially. And, and so... So he's, he's telling the Corinthians, and I think he is speaking specifically to the Corinthian men, like, hey, man up. Now's the time to be strong. And then he says in verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. 
And, and, and he hammered that point home in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous chapter on love, that you can do all of this. You can be a man. You can man up. You can, you can be courageous. You can be fearless. But if you don't do it with love, if your love is not your motivation, what have you truly gained? And so, so that comes in the middle of this chapter, but I wanted to point it out to you up front because the other things that we're going to see in here all reference back and point back to those ideas being fleshed out. And so let's turn now to, uh, to chapter 16, verse 1. It says this, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, then they will accompany me. So the first thing that we see in here is that, um, that he says, all those qualities that I told you, be watchful, stand firm, uh, be strong, be courageous, do it in love. Uh, the first place that, that he wants them to intersect that idea with is in their finances, is in their stewardship, is, is in the way that they handle uh, the resources uh, that God has given to them. And, uh, and the situation is, is interesting to look at. It's, um, it's, this is not their regular giving to the, to the church, but this is a special offering that he's going to take up because uh, there's some brothers and sisters uh, in the church of Jerusalem who are suffering through a famine. And, and so Paul was making a collection from all of the churches uh, in the region uh, to collect and to go and to give to them and to meet the need uh, that they had in, the, in this desperate moment. And, uh, and, and man, how relevant is that uh, for us right now as a church to think about coming out the other side of this, there are going to be some needs. Uh, the, there are going to be some real tangible needs that need to be met. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we doing the things that we need to do now to be prepared to meet the needs that God puts in front of us, to, to be generous? And, and so there's some very specific things that he says in this passage that, that are so practical and so helpful for us. Uh, he says uh, to do it at a consistent time, right? He says on the first day of every week. And so giving doesn't just happen. You have to plan for it. There has to be, there has to be intentionality behind it. And so he encourages them uh, to give on the first day of every week. He can, encourages them not only to do it consistently, but to do it proportionally. He says, store it up as, as you prosper. Each one of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper in order that there'll be no last-minute collecting. Essentially what he's saying is uh, the same thing that the Bible has always said, that God's expectation for our giving is that it would be in proportion to, to the things that we receive, that, that every good and perfect gift comes from God, that all that we have is a gift from Him, and that um, the, the, the Bible consistently lays out this idea that a tithe, 10% of, of what we get, uh, should be given back to the Lord. And so if, if it's $10, it's $1, right? $1. If, if it's, if it's $1,000, it's $100. Um, and, uh, and so there's not this burden that's placed equally across the shoulders of everyone, but it's the idea that in proportion to the way that you're, you're prospering, it says in this passage, um, that, that you would set aside some of what you're prospering uh, for the benefit of others. I think it's such a practical, a practical application. Um, and, uh, and if you work through the things that he mentioned earlier, right, be watchful. Uh, there's a question, you know, do you have a budget? Do you have a plan? Are you just kind of living, yeah, I, I basically know how much I have to spend and just kind of hoping that it works out. When I was a, a single guy, when I was a, 
a bachelor, I could get away with that, right? I knew I got two paychecks a month. I knew how much they were going to be. And so when I would be out spending, I'd be like, all right, I'm probably getting close to the edge. I better slow down or whatever. Uh, as, a, as a husband and a father of four, I can't be that loose with it, right? I had, I had to grow up. I had to mature. I had to become strategic and intentional. And, uh, and so in our family, what that means is that we, we build our budget based on the month. We know how much we're going to spend on our mortgage and, and on our groceries and, and on travel and gas and, and on gifts. And, and we know how much we're, um, uh, I make in a month. And so we uh, look at how much I make. Uh, we take 10% and we set that aside uh, to give to the church. Um, but what we found then is that still left us in a position in the, in similar to what Paul's talking about here is when there was a need above and beyond our regular giving, what would we do? And, uh, and so sometimes we, we would have a need that we wanted to meet, but we didn't have the money. And so Trina and I talked about it and we said, Hey, we need to build something into our budget so that when those needs come up, we're setting money aside for that as well. And so we started a monthly category and man, that has been such a blessing, uh, in that it's enabled us to help people going on short-term mission trips. Uh, there was, there was some specific tangible needs that some different people that we knew, uh, had that we were, had money set aside that we were able to help out, um, and, uh, and it's also enabled us to, to support some others that are going into mission work. And so that's been a blessing. And, and we still uh, continue to evaluate and say, hey, God, you, you are blessing us. How can we continue to be a blessing to those around us? And so are, are you watchful? Are you, are you strategic and intentional in your giving? Uh, are you firm in the faith? Does, does faith drive your personal budget? Is, uh, is it your, your faith in God? Because... Um, you can give. There's, there's people that give, but if it's not connected, if it's not coming out of a gospel motivation, you have to question what, what value there is in it. Um, right? If, if you think you're trying to earn God's love, you don't earn God's love by giving. Uh, if, if you give out of fear of, man, if I don't give, God's going God's to gonna take things away or he's going he's gonna to remove uh, the blessing from me if I don't give. Like, uh, God doesn't want you to give out of, of fear. He wants you to give out of joy. Uh, that, that you get to. And so, uh, so, so is it based out of faith? Um, he says, be a man, right? And, and here's, a, here's a question, and, um, and this relates more not to manhood or womanhood, but to maturity. If you think about what you spend, uh, do you spend more money on, on hobbies uh, than you do on, on, on the Lord's work and, and on being generous to those who are in need. Do you, do you spend more money on just indulgence, right? Drinking, uh, lavish dinners, like these sort of things. And I'm not talking, you know, there's times when, um, when it's appropriate to celebrate and to do different things. But month in, month out, if you look at what you're spending, are you spending way more on selfish indulgence than you are on kingdom sort of endeavors? Um. He also says that we should be strong and courageous. And the question is this, does your faith in Jesus push you to a place where, um, where you're stretched in your giving? Or is the goal just to be as comfortable, to isolate, to insulate, to have safety valve after safety valve? Um, man, I don't think God ever wants us to be reckless in our spending, but I think that he does want to push us out of our comfort zones uh, and into the kingdom work uh, that he has for us to do. And so um, it's incredibly practical. Is it driven out of love? Does your approach to, the, to your finances demonstrate a heart of love? Does love drive your budget? It's really pretty much as simple as that. Um, or does fear drive your budget? And so, um, obviously, we're in, in a season here where uh, we're not gathering in person, but I would encourage you that if, if you're someone who's a part of our Riverside family, 
uh, to continue to support the work of ministry that God is doing here. And there's links in the emails that you got about, about ways to do that. If you're watching this and you're not part of our Riverside family, um, man, we would invite you to come and, and to be a part of it. And if that's where God leads you, we would love love to have you. If, if, if you're in a local church community, we invite you to support the local church that God has called you to be a part of, that, that the church is God's plan uh, for reaching the world with the good news and that, that he, he saves individual people and he brings them together in the church as a body and then he uses us to do more together than we could individually. And uh, the work of the kingdom is so important. Um, and uh, But if it happens to be a situation where your church isn't having church and you're watching us today, man, I'm so glad that you're watching and we don't expect you uh, to give anything to our ministry. Um, but we do hope that you'll support the local ministry, uh, the work of the church in the community where you are. Uh, the, the second uh, half of the letter, uh, this last chapter gets into two really fascinating uh, things, and uh, man, the, the relevance for for today is so significant, right? And so, so here's what he says uh, in verse five. He says, "I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits." But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. There's our key verse, right? Verse 15. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject as such to these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours, give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, and let me pause here for a moment. Uh, how ironic that this is the verse that came up in the in the week where social distancing has become a trending term, right? And so, um, so I wouldn't encourage you to disobey anything in the Bible, but when you look at this verse that says, greet one another with a holy kiss, um, this is certainly a cultural thing that was relevant in Corinth at the time, and I would encourage you to not go around greeting each other with a holy kiss right now in this moment. Uh, there may be opportunity for that in the future, uh, but out of love, let your love uh, prevent you from doing that just now, right? Uh, verse 21, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so there's a lot in there. And you might say, yeah, it's just a bunch of, yeah, a lot of the, the biblical letters end with kind of a bunch of like name checks and, hey, don't forget to say hi to this guy and this guy might come visit you. And, and so it's easy to just kind of brush it aside and kind of miss some of the content, but there's a, a few incredible gems that are, that are embedded in there. And I just want to pull those out and look at them with you just for a few moments. Um, the first is that he's calling them to a love for the kingdom and for the church. Um, there's this call to love and appreciation for all of the varied ministers 
of the gospel. In verse 16, he says, be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and labor. And then in, in verse 18, he says, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. What we need to see here is that the kingdom is worldwide, right? There, there are people working for God and we should, we should honor those that are, that are working for him. Don't get, don't get territorial. Don't get, um, don't get too proud of your own local gathering. It's good to be a part of a community that you love, but recognize that there are many who are doing the work of the kingdom. Their work is your work. And so we think about, um, for us here at Riverside, there's, there's a number of missionary families that we support and that, that we, we carry uh, friendship with uh, Scott and Lynn Jackson, uh, Nick and Kathy Borio, uh, the Fraley family. Um, these are these are partners in ministry that we have. We uh, through our through our international partnerships with the International Mission Board and through the North American Mission Board. There's there's people all over the country and all over the world that you through your giving to Riverside support um, because we're we're part of one kingdom. We're part of one team, and and it's it's amazing to see how incredibly and personally relational the early church was and how it's still meant to be today. Paul could have said, hey, just take this letter and go read it and you'll be good to go. Um, but, but he didn't say that. He said, he said, hey, he said, hey, some people are going to be coming. Apollos is going to be coming. And, and I want you to listen to him when he comes. And Timothy's going to come. And I want you to listen to him. And I want you to help him along. And, and I'm so grateful for all these, these families, men and women, that, that are serving in ministry um, and are a blessing to the church. And so it's a question for you. Uh, do you have a love for God's people? Do you have a love for the church? Do you have a love for those that are, that are seeking to, to bring the good news of the gospel in tangible ways into the world? And are you seeking uh, to help them in that work? Uh, I'm so grateful here at the church that, um, that, uh, that God has brought so many great ministers uh, and, and that I'm surrounded by an incredibly uh, wonderful elder team, Paul Lease and Dave Edwards, and I've got Keith Grant as a, an associate pastor, and we have all of our small group and our ministry leaders uh, that are doing phenomenal work, and um, uh, it's it's such a blessing to do ministry together. Uh, ironically, I uh, at the beginning of the weekend, Tuesday and Wednesday, I was at a conference, um, and we were uh, a big part of it was really just talking about discipleship strategies in the local church, and and I was so excited because I had actually through another lead had gotten this book that I had started reading that somebody had mentioned, hey, I think this is what you're looking for. This is going to answer some of the questions that you've been asking. And so I'm listening to the Audible book on the way out to the conference. I get there, and the guy who's speaking is sharing how their church implemented the ideas from this exact book, the book I had just gotten and started listening to. And that was his main source material for what he was doing in his church. And I heard how it unfolded, and it was, um, man, it was exciting. And so I'm excited to see how God is going to continue to grow the ministry and the influence of Riverside um, to, to continue to help us define a little bit better and encourage each one of you into discipling relationships. And because and, here's the value in that, right? Well, we can't gather together on a Sunday morning. If, if you have a solid core of, of three to five people that you're doing weekly discipleship with, uh, your relationship uh, with them doesn't change, right? You can still get on uh, FaceTime or Skype, or you can, you can find ways to connect with one another, uh, that we want each of you to have those sort of deep relationships in our church where we're ministering to each other and we're building each other up. And so, man, I want you guys to know that as we come out of the other side of this, that we're going to be putting a lot of, of energy and effort into helping each of you uh, to develop those kind of relationships 
uh, because they're so life-giving. It's so, it's so powerful. That's how Jesus works, life on life. And we see a picture of that in here. But the last thing that I want to point out to you, and, and I'm bringing it down here to a close, uh, and I thank you for, for your attention watching wherever you're at uh, today. But the last thing I think is so powerful, I don't want you to miss this. Uh, in verse 8, he says this. He says, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I preached a sermon in this series on 1 Corinthians called And, and, and talking about the power of And. And, and at the end of this, uh, Paul works one more And in, right? And, and it's surprising. He says, there's a wide door for effective ministry that's been opened up to me, and there are many adversaries. And we might say, man, I don't want it that way, God. I, I like it when there's a wide door for effective ministry, and it's super easy, and I've got a lot of supporters, and I've got a lot of friends, and I've got a lot of people helping me. We don't like it when we have to face adversaries. But the reality is, is that's almost always the way that it goes, right? Look at Jesus. He did an incredibly effective work of ministry in bringing salvation to everyone, making salvation available to you and I. And the way that he did it, it was through great adversaries, that there were many adversaries coming against them. The, the reality is that when we do effective work for the kingdom, we should expect that there will be opposition. And so we shouldn't get discouraged the first time we try and do something and we experience a pushback. If we know that what we're doing is from God, that, that, that we should be encouraged to push all the more on into the storm, right? Um, in this moment, a wide door for effective ministry has opened. In our country, I, I, really, I really believe that is, as uh, many of the schools across our nation are shutting down to prevent the spread of coronaviruses, as people are stepping back, I think, man, uh, I, I'm, uh, obviously I'm not looking at this with uh, spiritual blinders, uh, I'm not being um, flippant about it. I, I, I know that this is a serious thing, and so I don't want you to hear me saying that, but, but here's what I'm saying, that in the midst of this adversarial, this difficult, this challenging season, this, this, this tough moment, that God is going to open up all kinds of doors. Doors to minister to people that are afraid, that are hurting. Uh, doors to, to reach out. In, in these seasons, it's always those that are on the margins that are most affected by something like this. And so there will be a great opportunity for us as the church to come and meet those needs, uh, to help people uh, that, that, that need it. Um, I know just this week, because people are home, uh, I've been praying for God to open up doors for me to be able to speak with my neighbors more about him and to build relationships with them. And I've had more driveway conversations with my neighbors uh, just in the past couple of days than I've had in months uh, because, because we're in proximity together. We, we had to slow down. We had to be in our neighborhoods. And uh, so I just know that God is going to use this. He's opening a wide door, and it's in the middle of adversity uh, that, that suddenly the church is going to have an opportunity to really shine brightly. And man, I, I hope that you are looking at it with those same eyes and that you're excited about the opportunity that, that, that you're going to have. It doesn't mean that we're uh, not dealing with, uh, with concern. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't take all the, the things that are happening seriously, but it does mean that we, we approach it with a hope. We approach it with, with optimism. We approach it knowing that God can work all things together uh, for, for good. And, and we believe that. And we come with faith. And so in this moment, I want to return back to the beginning words, right? 
as we think about the effective work of ministry that we're going to have an opportunity to do in the middle of this adversity, we should be watchful. We need to be on our guard. We need to be, we need to be aware of, of what's going on and, and to think about that. We need to be standing firm in our faith uh, that, that we can't let fear, worry, anxiety, uh, social pressures push us off of off, off the truth of the gospel that we know to be true, that we need to be centered on that and allow that to build us up and give us strength. We need to, uh, we need to be mature. We need to be courageous. We need to be brave. We need to man up, right? To use, to use the term here, we need to, uh, we need to uh, embrace the challenge that's been placed before us uh, and, and to ask God, how do you want me to act in this moment? And we need to be strong. As God told Joshua in Joshua 1, be strong and very courageous. And finally, he says that we need to do it all in love. And that's my biggest encouragement to you. Wake up each day and say, hey, how, how can I show the love of God to the people that will be in front of me today? Whether it's coworkers, whether it's family, whether it's neighbors, uh, whoever it is that you have influence over, you have an opportunity uh, to feed into to fear and worry and anxiety, or you have a, an opportunity to, to feed into love and, and to express and let the love of God fill you up to overflowing uh, so that you can love and comfort others and, and that we can just be who Jesus wants us to be in this moment. Um, I love you. I want you guys to know that I'm praying for you. And um, um, we're excited uh, to see how this, uh, again, that this situation is going to push us to connect in new ways and different ways uh, to use the, the, uh, the, the technology and the things that are put in front of us uh, to build deeper relational connections with one another. And it's my sincere hope that we'll come out uh, this. On the other side, when we begin to, to be able to meet together in public again here in a couple weeks, uh, that we'll be stronger than we were before all this happened, and God will get all the glory. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you for um, giving us hope. Uh, I thank you for giving us encouragement. I thank you that, um, that you are God. Uh, that, that you are good, uh, that you are in control, Lord. There's always things in a broken and sinful world that will happen that we, uh, that we don't understand. We know that disease is not part of your perfect creation, uh, but it's the result of, of rebellion. It's the result of, of, of mankind's uh, turning away from you. And so we, 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 we rest in the promise that you have made, that you will return and that you will one day restore all things to the way that you in, intended them to be. That there will be no more sickness, there will be no more death, there will be no more weeping, there will be no more tears, uh, that you will make all things new. And while we await that, God, we know that you have good work for us to do. We thank you that you've promised never to leave us nor forsake us and that you are walking through this with us right now. And I just pray that you would just fill us with hope you would fill us with courage. You would fill us with strength to be your hands and feet. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.